welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, where I, Pepperina, sit down with a couple of other amazing ladies to dig up the dirt on the undead in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. For this episode, I've resurrected Casey and Mieka so we can sink our teeth into this episode called The Returned, a dose of Moros, Theros, foes who won't adios. <laughs> I think I got that right. <laughs> well done, well done. That's a long title. <laughs> well, last time we spoke about undead, it was all about eternal servitude and creatures that just can't lay down for their eternal rest. In this episode, we're going to cover those who made the long trek back from the underworld in Theros, just to find themselves stuck for eternity with their own sadness and loneliness. <laughs> These creatures are from Theros, like we said, and they really feed into the idea of Greek tragedy. I love Greek lore and myths, and Theros really speaks to me. We know that Megan is all about the Norse um, lore. Uh, Which ancient or classic culture inspires and enchants you two? You want to roll for it, or we just want to go? Should we get our first roll out? Let's roll. Let's Let's roll roll for it. I got a 13. One moment. One moment. 11. Are you waiting for me? Yeah. <laughs> 19. 19, you go first. <laughs> so yeah, I, lo- I love, love, love Greek mythology so much. Mm-hmm. That is like my uh, all-time favorite. Absolutely love it. Everything about it. Yeah. I would love to play here, by the way. If we could like fall through a purple portal and get <laughs> thrown into this world, I would absolutely just thrive. <laughs> I would love it so much. <laughs> Hint, hint, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Greek is probably at least what I know the most of, but I love all sorts of lores and myths and just finding out about various gods and creatures and um, different cultures and things. I think it's all very interesting. Um, school-wise, you know, we hear mo- mostly about the Greek uh, gods and study that kind of stuff so that's what I I know the most of I'd say yeah uh yeah Uh, Mika me too um Megan and I in the Giants series which I hope everyone has also listened to um (laughs) we touched on this book in a couple different episodes and me too I'm like oh I love this world (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I do probably know the most about Greek um culture and lore as well so that's where I lean but I can't completely ignore Norse lore because Mm. I I love me my my Norse history too I can respect that yeah (laughs) all right so I'm up first so let's go on a deep dive into some lore in Theros so everything I'm about to discuss can be found in the mythic odysseys of Theros so getting started, on page 73, we get introduced to Phoenix. And before I even get started, um, I'm probably going to mispronounce a whole bunch of words. So We all are. Yeah, buckle <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> so on page 73, we get introduced to Phoenix, the god of deception, also known as the patron of lies and cheese. And I absolutely love him. Um, to mortals, <laughs> he appears as this like gray, willy, willowy, like humanoid figure um, wearing like elegant robes and his faces covered in a mask. Phoenix was once mortal who was trapped in the underworld. He escaped. He was basically like, "Uh, this isn't for me. So he escaped the the underworld, um, tricking 
Erebus and like disguising himself. He was able to escape the underworld by sacrificing his identity to the memory uh, draining waters that are the Tardix River. When other people realize like, oh, this is a thing we can do. They do the same thing, um, which is known as the Path of Phoenix. So if you want to leave the underworld, you can um, do the same thing Phoenix has done and take the Path of Phoenix. Phoenix is efficient in reading the room. <laughs> um, whatever the situation calls for, he is able to do it. He's very quick-witted and just very awesome at reading people. He is able to read the desires of others and adjust his approach to make you trust him. Phoenix and his uh, forces took over the city of Adonos. Um, after all the fighting was over, there were those that asked to be spared. They didn't want to go to the underworld, and they literally asked Phoenix for Phoenix's mercy. Um, and he was like, sure, I'll help. <laughs> Unfortunately, he did not help. He was like, you know, no, don't worry. You know, you won't go to the underworld. I'll keep you safe. And they like literally believed him. So what did he do? Well, he let the return kill them and he bounded their bodies and souls to this great oak. And this great oak guards um, Adonos and like haunt the living. And I looked up a picture of it and it just looks like this gray tree with just bodies just like infused into it. And it's like, oh, that's just, that's a lot. <laughs> Um, so I talk a little bit about the returned, um, according to Theros on page 83, the returned are zombie-like beings who escape the underworld at the cost of their identities. So these are people who, like I've said before, have taken the path of Phoenix. Um, the return reside in the cities of Asphodel and Adonos. These cities are very barren and depressing because the return brought like this dark cloud of the underworld with them. So very, very depressing. A fun fact, the return wear masks, and depending on the craftsmanship, they're worth like a hundred gold pieces. So, you know, y'all can take that and run <laughs> with it. I know I would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the only catch is most people want nothing to do with these masks because <laughs> they believe that they're cursed. So you mm -hmm. may have a hard time selling these things. <laughs> um, so since just they do not down, have you know? the idea. I'm sorry, <laughs> I said, say that again. I said just melt it down. You'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> So nobody's they, gonna know how would no, they know how would they know <laughs> how would they know <laughs> so since they do not have the identities that they once knew they sort of separate themselves out into like these specific roles um we're gonna do a bit of a deep dive here on some of them and i'll just touch on them briefly so the anagraphers these are like the scribes of the return they work with other return and they take notes on like this white parchment paper in hopes of like trying to like trigger some of their memories um, that they lost from their path of um, Phoenix. It is said that in these scrolls could hold like the hidden wisdom or like the lost of identities of the return. Um, we have the gray merchants. They wear hooded gray cloaks and push around a cart with trinkets. I, <laughs> these are like my favorite. <laughs> these like trinkets are usually stolen and cursed magical items, jewelry, um, and jewelry, jewelry from grave sites. Um, in return, they just want weird stuff like kitchen utensils and like basically trash. <laughs> and like they don't speak. They only communicate in gestures. And like once they do their trades, they just like run off into the shadows. And it's like, 
all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little fae feeling to me. Like they just want yeah. random shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like, well, all right. I'm like, these guys are like the best. Um, <laughs> the and then we have the Cacomentesis. They're spellcasters, and they sacrifice. And basically, they sacrifice small animals to make their spells a little bit more powerful. The Palamites—they're vicious um, killers. Uh, they just slaughter innocents, and from what I saw, they are just very chaotic <laughs> beings. Mm-hmm. And the, I'm gonna mispronounce this one: the Suda Sudamas. These are returned that were once parents, which like breaks my heart. They are so broken. Um, by no longer having their children that they snatch mortal children to raise but like have forgotten how to raise them so like they don't feed them they like you know they don't take care of these kids they have these kids but like they don't know really what to do with them and they're just collecting living children (laughs) oh my gosh yeah it's like I'm feeling the void but now I don't have any insight (laughs) on what what to to do do now exactly (laughs) oh dark very dark um, so I touched on how the return live in the cities of Ashfordel and Adonis. For a deeper dive into these cities, you can check out pages 100 to 101. The return that live in Ashfordel want to be left alone. They don't leave the city often. Um, here you can find specific city landmarks and leaders, such as the Colosseum of uh, Afondi. I think I'm saying that right. It's a circular stone building that is in the center of the city. The leaders listen to like specific cases and they make decisions on behalf of the city. So like some type of like returned government. The trespassers are brought here and like you have the elder return that um, are the leaders and they kind of pass judgment and gestures. They don't speak to you. They just like, again, use gestures and that's the way they communicate and pass judgment. Um, you have the Order of Fios. They are mages who defend um, Asphodel with magic. They are devoted to studying magic, but they have a hard time remembering it. And so because of this, they write everything down on the Stoa of Shadows, which is like where they, I guess they, their home base is within the city and it's just covered in their engravings um all of asphodel sits on the um hitos mire um the mire surrounds the city with uninhabitable and dangerous territory um this mi- this mire basically defends the city you can also find the blood tree here on the southern border it basically just drips into this mire and it's just very haunting for like to see a tree just like dripping like crimson like blood basically i i hate that um <laughs> very vicious creatures they're very they're drawn to this tree and they're like always hunting prey here and dragging them into the mire which is very disrespectful like i don't like that um adonis is a bit more chaotic if you can like believe that um there's not um they are not very open to reason here they hate the living and would rather just kill on site. So it's like on site for them. Outside of these cities, we have Tamaret, who is here on behalf of Eberus, and he is looking for Phoenix. So um, since he knows Phoenix can be anyone, because, you know, Phoenix, he's a liar and he can just deceive anyone so he can turn himself into anyone. Like he kills all living people just to be sure. 
So, like, if you walk up, he's going to kill you because you could be um, the god of deception. So, basically, his, like, main goal in life, life, after death, afterlife, whatever, (laughs) (laughs) he's trying to send Phoenix back to the underworld. And so, since Phoenix became a god, he kind of just lets this happen. He's, like, he's watching this guy just, like, slaughter people. He's, like, you know what? I'm going to let him continue doing this <laughs> and I'm going to go do like my own thing, which makes him very funny to me. Like, <laughs> that's hilarious. He's like, you do you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Keep going. Um, so, You're doing um, great, sweetie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here in the donuts, we can find the um, the bothers in the uh, crypts of the lost um, in the, I'm sorry, the bothros. I mispronounced that. Not the Bothers, the Bothros. Um, so the Bothros is like a bottomless pit on the north ed- edge of um, Adanos. Um, nothing that goes in can like ever be recovered. So it's just this big, huge bottomless pit that people just throw things in. Um, the returned warriors, they that this is where they kind of like dispose things or they just throw their captives in there. Like, you know, just execution style. And no one knows what's at the bottom of this pit is basically bottomless nothing has ever come out of it so it's like the pit in 300 mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> totally yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what i'm envisioning just in the middle of a city and just kicking somebody in <laughs> yep and then we have the crypts of the lost which i think would be such a fun place to explore this is just like a labyrinth filled with tombs and they describe it in the book as honeycomb tombs so just like tombs i'm envisioning like all over the walls and this like big huge like maze um this is where return go when they just want to die and just end it it's like they don't even really want to be returned anymore <laughs> they're just there waiting out death um they've realized that um the return life is just too much and they're just waiting for death there are rumors here that you can find treasure and this is the place where phoenix like first emerged when he left the underworld so they're kind of just drawn to that area of like maybe i can just go back to the underworld and just like deal with it and that is it for me all right wow so yeah i really like this yeah guy and like this whole return thing the whole thing (laughs) (laughs) all right well now i've got some questions so let's roll some dice all right oh i got a one (laughs) three Um, what do you got? 17. 17. All okay. right. Mika's killing it today. <laughs> I am. <laughs> yeah, we need to up our game, Casey. <laughs> all right, Mika, um, do you have any quest ideas from all of this? Um, I guess from what I said, what I just said, I would set up a quest in the, the Crypts of the Lost. That right there, like to me, anything can happen there. Like you could fight return or maybe not you can try to like weirdly communicate with some of them because they're just like over being like returned (laughs) and i would love to like run through that labyrinth and see like what's in there and you know try to find Mm -hmm. some treasure 
or see what lies you know how close to the underworld can we get if that is you know what what happens there so yeah yeah Yeah. I think that definitely um has a lot of good quest opportunities in those tombs Mm -hmm. um the thing that stuck out to me were those scrolls that you had mentioned where they write down like their past and try to like figure out who they once were Mm -hmm. I think that would be a very interesting way to bring your party into it and like you said some of the returned are are over it they don't want to be this anymore so they could employ your party to try and figure out who they once were um and help them with that so i think mixing sort of the the creatures from the tomb and those scrolls would be a really fun quest opportunity oh yeah definitely yeah there's so many little pieces here to to like latch onto and make some sort of um treasure hunt for things Mm -hmm. like like the tree that you're talking about with the bodies that are just like stuck to it um searching for a particular person and Mm -hmm. you like are are very sure that they were killed and brought here but they could be in the crypts of there's there was two or three different crypts there was this tree and imagine searching and actually going through the crypts and maybe finding some really cool items along the way but not and or maybe finding a piece an item that was theirs but you don't find their body so you're searching and searching and then you finally get to like this tree and you see just like some sort of like fabric or armor that's mm-hmm. you know like yeah. half stuck out of the tree and you know it's them you know like oh mm-hmm. there's so much and it's so <laughs> dark and sad too yeah yep and the bloody tree if any if you go to this region you have to make the party go and it, like see like put the imagery of them either they see it from afar and then as they get closer like they see that the tree has like movement in it but it's not from the wind it's from these like trickling like blood pools and paths Mm -hmm. on the tree like oh there's so much (laughs) (laughs) that ain't maple syrup dripping down huh (laughs) (laughs) not want to tap that (laughs) no no Well, that brings us into our next question, which is uh, how would you use the existential horror of all of these areas? Um, Going back to that tree, I would just like, oh my gosh, just to, I would make it like the bodies just move, trying to move against the tree and they make the tree move and it's just all warped and ugly looking and just like... uh, it could do some damage even if like you look at it for like a long period of time like that's how I would play with it and I think a lot of times with these episodes when we talk about like the horror and the body horror and existential horror it's on one creature this gives us the chance to explore two entire cities worth of existential Mm -hmm. horror so it would be like what would it feel like walking into this city just that that feeling of dread and depression and the you know death in the air of it like that's gotta that's gotta hit you in a certain way you know and 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 describing that exactly and the slow movements of these creatures as they have nothing really to live for at this point and as as time goes on and they get more depressed and more 
sad about the life that they are or unlife that they are living now. Um, I think I would I would really zone in on just that whole city feel, like what it feels like walking through these streets and you know, the shuffling of the people and and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And just immense lack of color. It's always gloomy. It there's always some sort of like mist hanging in like in the air. And I think you could easily add in some sort of ability check around like psychic damage the longer that players are in. Maybe you could even target Mm -hmm. some of your more susceptible players to the storyline of this region or if the thing or person you're trying to find or the reason you're in there. Just to add that next level of you guys can't piss around in here. (laughs) (laughs) The longer you're in here, the worse it's going to get for you. But you need to you need to figure your shit out. So that sense of like, there I don't want to be here. Like, I don't want to end up here. I don't want to be here. So like, this is impacting my abilities. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. There is a um, a variant stat that you can use um i i've only used it a couple of times but there is a sanity stat in D that you can include I, yeah. I think it's in the dmg but i could be wrong about that i think this would be a very good place to use that uh yeah a sure. great place to introduce it because imagine mm-hmm. if you know you walk up to that tree and any either tree mm-hmm. <laughs> the bloody tree or the body tree And then you start asking your players to roll sanity checks. And if they've never heard of that before, they're like, what? (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, add to your character sheet another ability score. And this is where you're at right now. Roll your dice to see what happens. And it's just like, oh, shit. (laughs) It's like, we're not even in there yet. (laughs) We're dealing (laughs) with all this outside stuff. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um. Role playing, which is a little bit tricky since this was a very large section. Um, but again, like with this with cities full of people, how would you role play those people in those cities? Um, I said before, I really like the gray merchants. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I would have to pull them in for like a silly role playing situation, I guess. Yeah. Um, conversation that really goes nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Oh, I'll take that. They see like the spoon that's, you know, poking out of your bag. And it's like, what? Why? (laughs) Like, I just, that, I'll take that. Yeah, like for this gold crown, you want the spoon? And they're just like, they're all for that spoon. (laughs) Yeah. Your party is not going to trust that in this place. (laughs) They're going to have so many questions. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And we're going to talk about um, how insight doesn't quite work the way you wanted to with most or all of these Mm. creatures so so that would be yeah yeah I think I would try my best to give each different because there's a lot of different kinds of folks in this and we'll break it down more as we go along to specifically how we'll role play each one of those um but I would definitely try and pull unique traits for each kind of thing so that your party understands that there's more than just one kind of return there's more than one kind of thing in this city and they all are different and have different ways of talking to you and different ways of communicating as some just gesture some can talk and trying to figure that out um 
And the ones that just gesture, I would do that as the DM. Like I would not say anything. I would make those hand gestures as I'm being that person. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Might as well go all in. That's yeah. Mixes <laughs> it. Yep. And that sense of like listlessness that like they, they don't really care about anything because they don't know to care about anything anymore. Like they don't, they don't remember their passions. They don't remember family. They don't even remember that what they cared about. And so I feel like there would be also a lot of just um, frustration in trying to get information because there'd be lots of confusion, a lot of repetitive information in anything they find to like read like the scrolls won't be a clear-cut you know story it probably will have a lot of repeating the same thing over and over and maybe you'll have to sift through like 20 or 30 scrolls or a bunch of different books you find and you find just tiny bits of information because there might be just one key word that one time one of them you know remembered a spark but there was just a bunch of gibberish otherwise or wasted mm-hmm. energy. So kind of- it would make it would it will make it a kind of a slog for the party to get what they're needing to do. But that's the whole purpose. This is loneliness mm-hmm. and sadness, sadness. Yeah. A place of <laughs> impending doom. Like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not a fun place. Nah. <laughs> not a fun place at all <laughs> um so do we have any like exploration or clues that would we would give to our party as we're leading up to this like these two cities um the i would say like the air immediately becomes like heavier and like mm-hmm. that like this is where like those mists and like the feel of the underworld starts to begin so it's just like a very slow drag on your players as they're like walking up to like one of these two cities. I think that yeah. would be it. And maybe also like discarded um like special items, like maybe a piece of a crown or like um maybe like you find like a gold piece somewhere, you know, because they they like they want to get rid of like the really fancy expensive things for the things they remembered from life like kitchen utensils kitchen utensils and like the Mm -hmm. really minor things so maybe kind of seeing that just like scattered about as you're leading up to the city yeah that would be cool i think it would be like most D &D players have experienced barovia (laughs) in some way shape or form um so (laughs) it would be barovia but more like more dread and more depression and more darkness um so i would start like kind of with the idea of Barovia and then take it deeper um, mm-hmm. as you're getting closer. It's darker. It's They're bringing darkness with them. So the more that come to this city, the more dark it gets and the more gray everything is. Um, I think Casey mentioned like lack of color, like everything would be gray and then there would just be like that red blood running mm-hmm. down the tree. And I would like very um, much emphasize the color red on certain things like yeah. that um to accentuate that like blood against the gray yeah absolutely and like the overarching theme is that there's just bodies being brought here or like anyone living who attempts to enter is more than likely like going to be killed in one way shape or form so mm-hmm. i imagine 
you know, some of these returned might be tasked to move bodies. So you might be walking up the road and just see these creatures pulling a cart with just a whole bunch of dead bodies on them. And they may not interact with you at all. They might just ignore you because they're just doing their task. But you just see and they like have no emotion about it. They're just (laughs) doing their job. But there's just like horrific. There's body parts. There's like full bodies. There's piles of bags and clothes. And like there's just it's just everywhere. You can't escape it. Everywhere you look is just like the imagery of death decay and sorrow <laughs> yeah. yeah why do we want to go there as like, oh, <laughs> for the treasure Casey for the, the treasure, the treasure? <laughs> they don't care about the gold <laughs> we're all just loot goblins <laughs> yeah all right. Um, and that brings us to our next section, which is, I believe, the drifters that Casey yep. has. It is. Um, so the first returned type that we're going to deep dive into is the drifter. Yeah, I <laughs> like. I feel like at different points in my life, I could perhaps relate to the sense of sadness <laughs> and loneliness that they're feeling. It's like, oh boy, crazy. <laughs> um, so these aren't yeah. the creatures we want to relate to. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, it's like I feel you. I I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, so as Mika mentioned, uh, when the return escape from the underworld, they typically and not surprisingly find themselves a bit lost. They come back, realize who was I? Where, where did I live? What, what, what brought me back here? They, they have no sense of what that is anymore. Um, who am I? <laughs> that endless personal development question. <laughs> who really are you? And so they have lack of motivation. They no longer feel passion for the things that perhaps they want did, once did. They don't even may, maybe remember what their passions were at all. And for obvious physical and historical reasons are shunned by the living because they obviously are not living and then they have no purpose. So they're just kind of wandering through. So the living will see it and be like, ah, like get away. <laughs> like we, we don't want you here. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, the returned um, drifters, especially lots of times will find hideouts. So they will find a place that they can reside in peace, out of sight, out of mind. Um, And many times it will be tombs and they're just still trying to remember their formal life, but feel listless and sit in the depths of despair. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This, however, won't stop them from self-preservation. So they will defend themselves if threatened. And they have enough intelligence that at times they can be like, you can interact with them and they can be negotiated with. You could perhaps convince them to come with you for some reason or (laughs) get them to do something for you. Uh, So, you know, if you've got a high charisma stat, you could potentially, potentially make some progress with them. 
So let's dive into the stats around this creature. And of course, we are still staying in the mythic odysseys of Theros. Uh, the returned drifter is medium undead and typically lawful neutral. So here is where, as we move along with different creatures, we're going to see slight changes in um, the typical alignments, which is interesting because most of the time when we're dealing with undead, they are like lawful evil or chaotic evil, but we're seeing kind of an evolution and a mix with these ones. These ones have an AC of 13 with leather armor. They have a hit point average of only 11 and a speed of 30 feet. They are a CR of one fourth. So they are, <laughs> they are there, but they don't really have a purpose. <laughs> so they're a little they're, squishy, huh? <laughs> yeah. So if you really just want to, you know, not deal with them, they will leave you alone. But if you try and hurt them, they're going to try and fight you to a very minimal degree. Ability scores are all above average or average with intelligence and charisma being zero, wisdom and con being plus one, and strength and dex at plus two. Damage resistances to necrotic, damage immunity to poison, condition immunity to poison. Those are pretty tra like track for undead. They have a passive perception of 11 and they know the languages they knew in life. So this one I think we'll probably play around with a bit more later, but to have somebody that perhaps knew five languages in life and you, you can talk to them, but then they have no information. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do you know five languages? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I just, like I so frustrating, <laughs> but imagine being them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in terms of abilities for these guys, they have what's called turn resistance. This is advantage on saving throws against effects that turn undead. They also have unreadable face. So they are immune to any effect that would sense its emotions or read thoughts because they don't really have any. So insight checks are all made with disadvantage. As far as actions go, the returned drifter carries a scimitar. So this is a melee weapon attack with plus four to hit, five foot reach and one target. On a hit, it uh, you take 1d6 plus two slashing plus that ever always there 1d6 poison damage. It also carries a sling for ranged weapon attack. This is a plus four to hit. Range is 30 feet or 120 long range and one target on a hit. 1d4 plus two bludgeoning damage. And that really is it for these guys. So they're not super complicated. They can put up a fight. They might surprise you by actually fighting back. When if you try to interact with them and they just seem so listless and it like uninteresting, you might just want to be like, let's just let's just move on from these guys and, and get rid of them. They will fight back, but they don't have a ton to work with. All right. Well, let's roll some dice and ask some questions. All right. All right. That's a little a little bit better than the one that I got. I got a six. <laughs> got oh a boy. 
four. What the heck? <laughs> I'm switching I'm dice. <laughs> That's it. I'm switching too. <laughs> it's like one moment. Fresh dice. dice. Cursed. Fresh dice. <laughs> It's What'd you get me? Yanka? I got an eleven. I think an I eleven. Beat both of y'all yeah, with an eleven. You're first with an eleven. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you have any quest ideas specific to the drifters? These, as a player, they would really annoy me because <laughs> 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 I feel like you know they don't really. They're not really helpful, but I guess <laughs> I guess it would be cool to finally try to like to get some of them on your side. I, you know, like I know you're rolling with um disadvantage um on insight or you know um probably a lot with like communication, but I think it would be really interesting if you get one or two to like join your party as like an NPC, you know, NPC of course, but like to join the party and help out as much as they can for. If they can even help. Um, yeah, I think that's how I would use them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think these are probably the ones you're most likely to see since they do travel more yeah. and aren't necessarily in the city. So, and they're so low level. So like your baby players can, <laughs> can interact <laughs> with them and not be completely obliterated. Um I do, Casey, you said something about their languages and like, why would they know five languages? And I think you can really lean. I love the idea of leaning into that. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. The languages being your clue for the quest of who was I? Why do I know these five languages? Like they can talk to all of your party in specific languages. Like maybe they knew uh, Judaic. Maybe they knew Thieves Can't, you know? And so like your Druid or your your rogue can pick up on that and might have a little piece of the puzzle. Maybe they had a story about a person that they remember from the lore of where they came from that can help connect these dots. So I think the quest would be coming across one of these and trying to help it figure out. Like, like they're sort of a lost puppy dog, you know, <laughs> like you yeah. want to figure out where they came from and help them. Um, or just kill them, but <laughs> that's not much of a quest. So, <laughs> so I would lead into the helping, but you know, some parties out there are just going to see them and kill them. So <laughs> yeah. And not, and not get to that quest. <laughs> yeah. And I was kind of thinking this also could be the little tidbit of help that you need. Say you are searching for one of these cities and <laughs> everybody's rolling poorly that day the dm is just like banging their head going oh my god they're never gonna find <laughs> yeah. i have laid them out but they're rolling so shit they're not seeing the clues they're not seeing uh -huh. the direction i can't do like it's a point where you could possibly drop they encounter some of these in in the caves that they like decided to hole up in for the night for like a long rest suddenly there's just they realize that they're not alone and there's some drifters in there and they're not gonna they're not trying to fight or anything mm -hmm. but they're just still in there like they're probably like don't don't move they won't see us we won't see them <laughs> like, let's just get through this but again, if it happens that they're discovered, perhaps they they will know where these cities are. And so maybe you can convince them to show like show you the way 
to get there because that might be one thing that they know because they escaped and they moved through these horrible areas. And so they might not want to go back there, but yeah, you can convince mm-hmm. them to show you. Yeah. All right. That's the of mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about the existential horror factor of the drifters? Hmm. Existential horror. It's kind of hard. I see them being like, I guess, looking at them like what they look like taking in what they look like i feel like they wouldn't be as put together as like the elder returned who are um like you know passing judgment on people i feel like these they would just look so worn down probably not very it probably wouldn't lean into the horror of it but like just so depressing so worn down and like you may have like a few of them that are like trying to kill you like on site but it would probably probably be very easy to kill them. Just very leaning into that depressing factor. Just very depressing yeah. to engage with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think with previous undead, we you know have the their skins falling off and their faces are sunken in, and you know they've got wounds everywhere and and that kind of thing. And I think with these, it's a completely different kind of horror. You know, mm-hmm. it's like like a completely different type of horror movie not your zombies but a, something completely separate and i would lean into that the emotional state of it yeah because exactly. they are so lost and just like casey said everybody's had that moment in life where you just are <laughs> lost and you just don't know what your next step is and just diving very deep into that feeling and pulling that from your players of this thing that is in front of you has no clue what it's doing it has no clue where it's been it has no clue who it is and it's just lost and playing with that emotion yeah yeah impending doom Mm -hmm. just it doesn't really like it doesn't care about riches it doesn't care about like you gaining it any sort of favor because it's like I don't need one yeah. <laughs> right <clears throat> I'm just wandering around trying to figure out who I am yeah yeah I think you guys ex- like described it very well it's that emotional damage that <laughs> is gonna come through hard oh, with yeah. these ones <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right um that sort of leads into how we would role play them. So I was thinking about the whole language thing, Casey. Like, wouldn't it be funny if like they figure if they figure out, oh, like you speak Elvish? And it's like, yeah, all right, well, we're gonna move on. And like they follow you. <laughs> like, how disturbing <laughs> would that be? Uh-huh. <laughs> like you couldn't get any information out of these things. It's like, all right, well, we're gonna move on. And you turn around and you just see like a group of them just following you, like wherever you go, because <laughs> oh. they're like Wait, just trailing you behind you. Remember something? I can't just like <laughs> let you wander off. Like, <laughs> like having the party deal with that. It's like, are we gonna just kill them or are we just gonna bring them along? <laughs> you think you got away from them, and then you make camp, and they're just like standing over you when you wake up. Like, hey, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Or are they like? rummaged through your bag and found like a cup or a pot or something and mm-hmm. then you wake up and they're like I would like to have this <laughs> <laughs> like get out of here <laughs> shoo shoo <laughs> that would be uh, hilarious <laughs> yeah 
like that we're we're making them so comical and they're so sad. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we deal they're with so so sad. Yeah. <laughs> Bring I, humor into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're so funny. Um for me for role playing, since they do have such a limited memory, I would write out exactly the things that they know so that I have that as the DM. They have very limited information and responses that they can give you. So I would make sure that I would write that down so I didn't accidentally give out more than they would know. Mm -hmm. So you want to know exactly the information that they would have because that's it. There's no getting anything else from them. And that's going to be very frustrating for your party who's going to ask them a million questions because that's what we do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, We're going to ask them their name and they're not going to know. Yeah, that's that's the first thing any party does with an NPC is what's your name? And, and the DM for once does not have to come up with them because they do not know. Yeah. Unless it's sewn into their underwear or something. They got no clue. Right. <laughs> it's like that episode of Buffy when Spike's wearing that coat and he opens it up and he's like, Randy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> or I guess or that's the- my name. <laughs> or they they like see the name of like the the little hut that did make the jacket they're wearing and they think that that's their name yeah <laughs> so they just start calling <laughs> themselves that <laughs> yeah I like kind of what you were saying Mieka I think it would be interesting there is going to be a player who wants to convince one to come with you and bring you along and it's going to be incredibly frustrating to have this creature because they're not really going to be super helpful. But like if they do know the way that you need to go, you're going to put up with it. Uh, And I think you could add that, that sense of like mopey and sad all the way along, which will wear on the players. And then also have that as, you, you know, um like whichever player is interacting with it the most they start to feel more negative and they start to feel more like hopeless like it's like guys we're never gonna find so and so let's just let's just quit why are we going this way like we don't need to do this anymore like and so it gives the players also an opportunity it's like but based on the choices you made by bringing these creatures or this creature with you, it's wearing on you. Like you can't keep this going. Also an out for the DM to be like, get rid of the, like you can't be picking up pets, you know? Mm -hmm. You cannot bring every NPC you meet with us. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Which I know wouldn't be Mieka's problem. (laughs) Mieka would be like, let's, can we get rid of them? Do we really care about (laughs) them? Can we just push this guy off a cliff, please? (laughs) He's being a real bummer. (laughs) Yeah, he is a buzzkill. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, like leaning into, you have to then consciously realize you can't keep this creature around Mm -hmm. long term because it will destroy you. It just leeches that like lonely, sad um aura that just is you can't be around it (laughs) yeah all right exploration and clues what would we sort of find before we found them do we think um 
similar to maybe like what I said about um, Bothros, the bottomless pit. Maybe again, you're going to find those like trinkets and like those specific pieces. You may even find a bunch of like random stuff, like such as like the utensils from the kitchen or plates or um, other like home items that are just scattered around and just chaotic in the space where they are if that's like their home base um but yeah I think that would that's what you would see or they could just pop up I feel like they I feel like they travel in groups <laughs> that's yeah. what I'm getting like I I feel like you you're not really going to see one by itself so like if you're going to come across one you're going to come across at least like four to like six of them mm -hmm. I don't know that's what I think yeah well and that would that would also help you as a dm since they are such a low cr um mm -hmm. to, to beef that up a little bit if you do have a little bit more experienced players or higher levels um is adding more to them yeah i just see like like i don't know that they're gonna have a ton of clues necessarily because they don't do much and they don't <laughs> settle in somewhere to like yeah. set up properly yeah. yeah but like I think you would just be walking through this very depressing dark forest like maybe getting closer to the cities but not quite there so things are just starting the mist is just starting to fall and you would just see these just standing there randomly in the woods oh. like they're not interacting <laughs> they're not coming after you like a bandit would or they're not mm -hmm. hiding in the trees like they're about to attack or ambush you they're just there just no yeah. purpose just not doing anything just a dark figure in this mist which i i mean i am the the thriller side of like scary movies gets me so bad so that that yeah. freaks me out more <laughs> than some lumbering zombie that's like traipsing through the forest at you uh -huh. yeah <laughs> and they can talk too so it's not like a zombie that would just be like making yeah. noises like you could they could still talk and see you and like Ugh. have a voice so that makes it like okay it's not a zombie what yeah. is what is this thing just standing <laughs> what are there you? like yeah you could even hear them talking to each other maybe but just in such a monotone and mm -hmm. you know not really making sense of anything yeah. Yeah. And they really are portable to kind of <laughs> pop in anywhere. I, I like the idea that they might, you might encounter them where in the same places that you are seeking for a long rest or a short rest, like when you're trying to find somewhere safe, you might go into a cave or the basement of an abandoned house to like find some secure place to lock down for the night. And I imagine, um, yeah, lack of light, you're moving through an area and then you do a light sweep and you just see a whole horde of creatures standing just all together in one side. And they're just like, you, you pan and you see all of like their legs and you see there's eight of them. And it's like, holy shit, there's something in here. But then they don't do anything. <laughs> yeah, they just stand there. <laughs> yeah. And so someone might say something and then they're just like, please just go. And it's like, wait, like, what are you, you know? And <laughs> But they're just there. And it's like, it's yeah. like, this is our hole or this is our, like, <laughs> this is our basement. Just like, leave us yeah. be. We just want to be. 
And it would be like, inevitably, you're going to have a player that just shouts out to them and is like, hey. <laughs> and they're just going to all do that slow turn. Yeah. And just, and just, uh, and no. just stare at you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or maybe one of them goes like, shh, like, don't talk to them. Mm-hmm. Just and then your most perceptive player picks that up and is like, wait, they're talking yeah. <laughs> or picks it up in some bizarre language that it's like, how or, does anyone speak, you know, Sylvan? And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, why are they talking in Sylvan? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. All right. For combat, how would we, how would we go about combat with these? Mm. I feel like depending on the group, like you're either going to get some real mean ones or you're even going to get some bit like what you all just described. Um, I feel like depending on the party, they're going to be really easy to just kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, 11 hit points. <laughs> yeah. So it's, I don't really see it as like, uh, like crazy combat. I feel like it's just going to be very clunky from their side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're going to like try to hurt you with a fork. Yeah. I know they come with their own, like um their own like weapons, but I feel like they're going to go for the fork first <laughs> because I, like, <laughs> I know, I know this thing has a purpose. Like I sort of remember it. Maybe it's dangerous. I'm going to try fighting with that first before I go for my like big weapon. So like, yeah, like just, Again, I have no respect for these. <laughs> we already know where the scale is going. Yeah. <laughs> we know. Um, yeah, I mean, they are very squishy with their, I think, what'd you say? They have a 13 AC or something like that and 11 hit points. And Yeah. Um, I do like that they have a sling, so they can do a little bit of ranged stuff. Um, yeah. If they are feeling threatened, they could very easily use the sling and you're going to find them wandering in the woods or caves or something. So they will have easy access to rocks and that kind of stuff to pick up and use in the sling. Um, So as a DM, I would very much remember that they have that sling and you can do ranged combat with them. Um, You don't have to get very close if your party starts being aggressive um, towards them. But your party is most likely gonna get through them pretty quickly (laughs) yeah Yeah, I like that you could have um like they really don't want to do combat as the first choice for these specific types um I feel like they would even be like if you show aggression aggression towards them they would like step back and be like please don't like just don't because it's it's like I don't want to do this Mm -hmm. and I like the idea of Maybe you see one and you're going up to it, trying to interact with it. And then you're deciding, like, I'm just going to get rid of this thing. It seems like let's just put it out of its misery. And then you get hit in the side of the head by a rock and realize there's like a whole group of them, you know, 20 feet away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was just like, no, no, because they saw you were going to like cut down one of theirs. And it's like, "Mm." yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to our next fun return, guys, which is the centuries. Yes, that's me again. Um, So we're still in the Mystic Odysseys of Theros, the returned century. So, okay, these ones are leaning a little bit further into being manipulated or put into servitude 
most of the time it's the other higher level return. There's, we, we know that there's many different varieties of them of varying intelligence and different purposes. Um, so it's usually those that are controlling and getting these ones to do different tasks or responsibilities. So if forced, they can perform simple, artless tasks at an average efficiency. So go gather up all the bodies <laughs> or guard this door. And it's like, okay. And they are not alive. So they will do that forever. That will just be them, which also is very sad. Uh, yeah, they never tire. So I think probably guarding or keeping watch is one of the um, tasks that make a lot more sense for the sentries in particular. Many times you may not realize that this is a sentry or something uh, of a different level than perhaps a drifter because they might just look like mundane messengers or mundane laborers they might be moving something just endlessly moving one thing from one place to another and they won't have you know amazing shining guard armor they'll just have the armor that they had in life and they died in it and now they're back so it will just be this weird mismatched like situation and I also don't think you'll see these just singular you'll see them in groups and they'll just be, you know, standing along a wall and yet really don't know why. And they don't really know why, just someone told them to. <laughs> okay, so getting into some of the stats, they are medium undead and lawful evil. They have an AC of 15 because they have leather armor and a shield. Hit point average is 22. We're doubling. <laughs> Um, speed of 30 feet, and they are a CR of one. So still pretty simple for even lower level to manage, but, you know, a quite a bit step up from, from the drifter. Ability scores are, again, average or above average. Intelligence and charisma at plus zero, con and wisdom at plus one, and strength and dex at plus two. They have the same necrotic damage resistances as the drifter and the poison damage immunity and poisoned um, conditional immunity. The passive perception is still 11, and it knows the languages it knew in life. For abilities, this is where uh, it differs a little bit because these ones have pack tactics. So like we've talked about, we tend to expect the return to be in groups and that it's maybe some innate self-preservation that way as well. But these ones will definitely be in like pairs minimally or more. They have advantage on attack rolls against creatures if at least one of the returned allies is within five feet of a creature and they are incapacitated. So if you have a random encounter or you bust in and realize you're over your head with, with a bigger group of these, your party might be surprised by these pack tactics that's added on. So in addition, they also have that turn resistance, which means they have advantage on saving throws against effects that turn undead, and they have the unreadable face, 
which is that they are immune to any effect that would sense emotions or read its thoughts. So insight checks have disadvantage. When we get into their actions, they carry a spear. So they have a melee or ranged attack with the spear at plus five to hit, reaches five feet, range of 20 or long range of 60 feet, one target. On a hit, they do 1d6 plus three piercing damage or can also do 1d8 plus three piercing damage if they use the spear two-handed. Regardless, they also give 2d6 poison damage. With the sling that they also carry, they have plus four to hit, range is 30 feet or long range of 120, and one target. Uh, it gives on a hit 1d4 plus two bludgeoning damage. So certainly elevated up and much more challenging and much more threatening. Um, these ones are generally going to attack you and not avoid that if you impede them from doing their task or you uh, trigger, like maybe they're told to attack anything that comes in this way. Stand here. If something comes within 20 feet of this, I, like kill them. And so there will be, I think, much more combat in with, in terms of these ones. Mm -hmm. And that is the returned sentry. All right. Um, before I ask questions, I do want to note, I don't believe this was mentioned. They all do have returned nature. While they are undead, they do need water and air, but not food or sleep. So that is undead. different than most of the undead that we have come across. So while they will stand there, they do need at least water <laughs> <laughs> to to survive, I guess. But they don't need to eat. So that's interesting. They um, also, <laughs> they lose their faces in their return from the the underworld. Um, and that is why they wear these, these gold masks. Um, but... Where are they drinking the water if they don't have a face? <laughs> Good question. As oversight. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a thought. <laughs> All right, now let's roll some dice. <laughs> oh, I got a seven. This dice isn't doing me any better. Though that's the highest I've rolled, so maybe it is. <laughs> I got a twelve. <laughs> I rolled a nineteen. Finally, thank goodness for switching dice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, quests for the centuries. What do you got? All right. Well, I can clearly see these as an amazing encounter as guards of some castle, keep, mansion, even necromancer wizard tower or cursed swamp lair. Um, I think they are the ones that are just going to be standing there, they're not going to be trying to hide. They are tasked with things and that is their purpose. They've been told. They... <laughs> and so I think you're going to see them coming up to them. They may not react to you until something is triggered or until you attack them, but you are not going to be surprised by these. You know, there's there's not going to be an ambush. It's just going to be... Yeah. Hmm. It looks like that castle has guards. Let's go figure out what the hell is going on with those guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I um since these like have a job to do, 
I feel like they're going to be so focused on that job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think a funny quest idea is like when you first encounter them, um, you're going to encounter the sentries and they're going to be like, yeah, come with us, you know, get you to go with them. And they're going to take you right to the Coliseum to be judged by these elder <laughs> returned. And it's like the elder returned. <clears throat> it's all like, oh you can kill them take them to the bottomless pit it's like what (laughs) so that would be hilarious i like that idea especially if you come across the drifters first and you've made friends with one and then they Mm -hmm. bring you to that city and you're like oh you're just like this guy right (laughs) not just like this guy (laughs) it's like no you're just trying to do your job 24 7 like like i'm the messenger i'm the person that like you know does this thing I'm gonna do this always so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah there's there's not gonna be a quest I think that is directly for the centuries but they are going to be encountered on quests yeah um, Yeah. because they are guards of things and they have a job to do so it's not going to be a quest to find the centuries it's going to be a quest to find the treasure to those tombs but yeah. there is a century in front of it or a group of centuries since they have pack tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I there and there's so many parts of the cities and the infrastructure of of their communities that you're gonna come across them multiple times as you walk through these cities because mm-hmm. there's gonna be so many higher ups that are mm-hmm. employing them and using them. So every step you take in this city, you could potentially come across one of these doing their job and you're interfering with it. So I think you're going to run into them a lot as you move through. Yeah. Oh, it just, that just gave me some ideas where like, if you wanted them to play a slightly bigger role is you're navigating this city and you have a, a particular symbol you're looking for. It's like, oh, this mask or something you're looking for one in this mask or there's a trigger word and so you're sifting through all of these centuries doing different tasks along the way and it's like like some of them are guards some of them are carrying things portable like moving things um carrying information like in terms of like a like bunch of scrolls that they're moving right and you need to find the right one in the city that once you say that word or once you find them and say that word because you're looking for a particular mask that they're wearing they will bring you exactly where you need to go um if you don't say that word you're in combat with them and if you Mm -hmm. kill them you've totally fucked up your quest (laughs) (laughs) good luck (laughs) that's when you find a note in their pocket (laughs) yep the dm hurries and writes (laughs) fuck um for existential horror how would we use these versus the drifters what would you change um, as you mentioned, Peps, um, about the mask. So this, I think for sure is where like, they are going to again, be filled with dread, be doing a certain purpose. Um, but that mask might be the attractor to something of substance when dealing with these things. And if you do destroy them, and you loot them and take the mask, that's where you can then, instead of with the drifter, if you have it tag along, it's 
you know, wearing on the party and maybe you'll figure it out. Maybe you won't. With this one, it will be cursed. So if you loot that and you take it and you have it in your bag for, you know, the duration of the quest and onwards after that, um, you are going to start getting like features of being cursed. You're going to start, your alignment might start changing and you don't even know why. You start um, wanting to do evil things and you don't understand why. And so I think that's where that emotional damage and that horror from just being around this horrific thing that came off of an awful creature, that's where I would go with it, is that. Maybe your party, because these um, sentries are like a little bit more, like they have a little bit more purpose because they have a job to do. Maybe for some weird reason, you trust them enough and then they just take you to that bottomless pit. That bottomless pit scares me because mm-hmm. <laughs> like you just don't know what like, you know, you just cease to exist. So um, maybe your party will think that they're like the drifters. I think we said this before. They'll think that they're like the drifters and like, okay, we can like work with these guys a little bit more, but they're going to like, you know, try to protect whoever that they're stationed to protect and try to get rid of you in the most like crazy way possible. I think that's a bit scary because your players like they won't see it coming at all Mm -hmm. especially if they're so used to like interacting with the drifters and then you throw this in just for like a little bit of spice (laughs) Mm -hmm. and like it's like oh we gotta like take care of these guys we gotta fight these guys now so just like adding that surprise factor Mm -hmm. yeah and like Casey said with the masks like I would lean into to sort of the mask situation and the drifters you might not kill and loot the mask. These you're more likely to get into combat with, and you're mm-hmm. gonna take that that shiny mm-hmm. gold mask off their face. And like I said, underneath that mask is nothingness. Mm-hmm. And just the first time your player pulls a mask off of one of their dead bodies and realizes there's no face underneath. What were yeah. they, they were talking to you? How they have no face? Like it's right. just emptiness there and just the confusion of that I would go into like great description of pulling that mask off and seeing nothing underneath yeah psychic damage right there (laughs) (laughs) roll your sanity check (laughs) all right and role playing for the centuries what do we got so if I'm keeping with the the angle of them being guards I really like the idea of um, perhaps playing them a bit more robotic in the sense of maybe there's 10 or 15 of them lining the walls of a keep or something like that. And the closer you get, they're not responding. And so it's like, oh, maybe they're just like, like fake, or maybe they don't do anything. Maybe they're harmless. And the second you do that trigger, so whether it's when they get, when you get within this amount of space of the door, or you get to this point in the path, you see all the whole line of them turn in unison and just start moving towards you to attack. Like there is no, no questioning. They are coming to attack you, (laughs) but they are just, they are nothing. And then as soon as that trigger, which what, what they've been told to do, it's like when this happens, attack. 
they just all move in unison. And I think that would be a very intimidating uh, way to role play them and see what the players do from there. I was thinking about the um, anagraphers. One second, let me make sure that's actually what I'm talking about. Yeah. So <laughs> there's so, so the, many words that we have to learn. Is that right. <laughs> So like the scribes, I'm thinking that they would like employ a few of these to like, because I feel like they are very busy, these scribes for the return. And so I think that would be a cool, like little uh, side quest thing where you would run into one of these um, sentries and like try to communicate with it to locate the specific scribe and they like lead you through the city and so they're not too aggressive but like you know as like that messenger and that kind of guide and then of course you would have the ones that are just like they're not going to try to communicate whatsoever they're going to try to protect who they are like there to protect there's a lot of like different levels of like role-playing options I feel for these um for these creatures yeah, yeah they a- would be amazing bodyguards yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a really good point that it sort the role-playing sort of depends on what their task is mm-hmm, and yeah. how they would go about doing that so I think you could have come in contact with several of them in different scenarios and role play them all different based mm-hmm. on the task that they have at hand. So it depends on who told them what to do. And if it's kill on site, there's there's no role playing. They're killing you. Like if anybody comes close to this, kill them. There's no talking to them. That's their task. I think they are a little bit less depressed than the drifters just slightly because they have (laughs) a purpose of some kind (laughs) Mm -hmm. so if you do talk to them um they will be just slightly less (laughs) dreadful (laughs) yeah really to communicate with because they have a thing that they're doing (laughs) yeah it's like i have no idea who i am where Uh i came from what i used to love but this is what i do now yeah i'm just pushing this cart and as long as you don't get in the way of me pushing this cart then we'll be fine right (laughs) if you stop me from pushing this cart we're not going to be fine (laughs) yeah oh and can you imagine in true party fashion like you were talking about mieka you meet up with one that is taking you somewhere and then the party gets sidetracked and tries to like oh let's just go check this out on our way oh man that sentry is uh-huh. gonna be like no you're fucking not yeah <laughs> like, you are coming here now yeah i am like, supposed absolutely. to bring you here you are going here yes mm-hmm. like there would be no negotiating yeah. to divert them from their task mm-hmm. it's right. i am bringing you here you can shop at that cart later Right. <laughs> and then your party has to decide because I feel like that's when they're going to get aggressive. <laughs> like if you're like, no, we're going to go this way, like they draw out there. <laughs> yep. like, yeah. Calm down. <laughs> so then your party has to make that choice. Yeah. Like, it's not that serious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, exploration and clues. Do we think there would be anything different than the drifters coming across these? Uh, Like I mentioned already, I think the only difference will be these ones um, aren't probably typically going to be trying to hide out. They're going to be doing the task that they've been given. 
So you're going to see them moving around and not feeling a sense of concern from other people around them. Like, because they're not going to automatically be leery of you because you're walking by. If you try and attack them, they're absolutely going to defend themselves, but they're just going to be doing their thing. They're not going to try and avoid anyone or anything. So that'll be the big indicator that this is not not a drifter and maybe a little bit more there's a little more substance to it Mm -hmm. no yeah I I totally agree with you Casey like these are going to be the ones that are going to be in groups and they're not going to be hiding or anything like you're going to see them and automatically think okay these are the guards that we got to try to like get through so yeah Mm -hmm. I think it would be funny since they do need to drink water that you come across (laughs) one on a water break (laughs) (laughs) I love that <laughs> like, like you, there's just like a fountain in the middle of the city or something like they've all all of them have to drink it's not just these ones it's every return has mm-hmm. to drink at some point so there's gotta be a system somewhere in these cities for them to get water right yeah. <laughs> so you just like come across them this is my 10 minute break you know yeah oh <laughs> this my god my 10 minute break to get water yeah, like what would you overhear as chit chat around the water cooler? When yeah, it's like a yeah. <laughs> it's How all of like... the centuries. Like my boss is a dick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and like, if they're responsible just for like moving books or moving scrolls or something, it's like, oh, more scrolls today. It's like, yep, yeah, more scrolls. This <laughs> every day. This is eternity. <laughs> scroll after scroll. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Hilarious. I love it. <laughs> I'm very much picturing a water cooler now and just yeah. all yeah. sitting around it. <laughs> and also the water will have to be like murky. Like yeah, it is not, it's you know. not gonna be good water. <laughs> They're gonna <laughs> offer you some and you're gonna be like, mm. yeah, like oh. no. I'm good. I'm good. I got I got a fresh canteen right here. We're all right. <laughs> Your druid's like, I can, I'll just create water. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Combat. Um, Like we said, these are more combative than the drifters. So what would we lean on there? Yeah, absolutely. The pack tactics. Um, And they are going to be more tactical, like less listless, kind of chaotic. Like, no, please don't. And they like swing, (laughs) swing their scimitar. (laughs) These ones have a spear. So they will use it as a ranged weapon or they will, you know, grasp it two handed and like charge at you or walk straight Mm -hmm. at you for like a (laughs) a stabby stab. (laughs) Like they're going to be significantly more threatening. And so I think they're going to tactically use all of their abilities to destroy your part if that's their job. Yeah. Yeah. Like same thing. They're going (laughs) to they're going to be so aggressive and like so um, combative towards you it's gonna be a full-on fight and they're going to um yeah but one thing I'm thinking like if this is happening like in the middle of the city I feel I feel like it would only be those three that are um under the employee of the specific um returned you're trying to get to I feel like if there were other um sentries around they wouldn't join in because that's Mm -hmm. not their focus yeah (laughs) yeah so like like, you know that ain't my problem over there right (laughs) and so like unless like you want to make it our problem (laughs) go right (laughs) ahead 
but yeah that's how I would see it yeah Yeah, very focused the (laughs) only way others would join in is if they all worked for the same person Mm -hmm. if they were all under the same employer um, and they all had their own separate tasks but it was ultimately but everybody's task is to protect this you're going to move those things. You're going to do this thing. You're going to do that thing. But if anybody messes with anything, I need you all to come in. I think that's the the only way. And then that would sort of give you a clue that they're all working together, that this is a group, because there'll be others outside of that group <clears throat> that don't join in. So that would sort of give you a hint of of who's controlling that specific cluster of them. Yeah. And if you have no insight on what possibly could, um, like you might think it's mind control. You might think it's something else. Like what being is managing this whole group? It's Mm -hmm. really eerie. Mm-hmm. And I do like the idea, like you talked about Mika, where like you, you, if you paint the picture of just the listlessness and task drivenness, though, of these creatures, and yeah, like you, if you enter combat, um, yes, you've got that going on. And if you're using a map, sure. But then in addition to that, you have the same ones that are just walking by you. Like they might even come within five feet of you, but that's their path that they've been doing, you know, as their responsibility. And so there's like this world that's just not reacting to a combat in the middle of the street or down an alley or outside of the keep. But then there's still a messenger that just walks by and goes in the door. (laughs) And it's just like, what is going on here? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I have got the next returned, which is the Palamnite. Um, don't know if that's how you say it, but that's how I'm gonna say it. <laughs> so, Let's roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> made up words. Um Palamnites are among the most ruthless of the returned. These beings were once the most violent and brutal of the living. Even after losing their identities, the rage that lives inside of them still burns. These returns are very dangerous to the living, as all they know is death and violence, and walk the world seeking to spread that where they go. While some wander alone, causing aimless grief and destruction in their wake, many find their way to Adonis, and they serve... Uh, Tiramat, the murder king. Now, Mieka gave us a bit of history on Tiramat, um, or Tamerit. Tamerit? I'll just give a little reminder. He is searching for Phoenix. He was the only one that witnessed Phoenix's escape. Um, that is why he is after him. He shared his information with the God of the Dead and was given this cursed blessing of becoming a returned. So he was sent back purely because he was the only one that witnessed the escape. Um, but he did not know what Phoenix looked like. So like Mika said, he just started killing everybody, which is why he's the murder king. <laughs> and that is where the Palamnites come in. Um, he employs them to increase his numbers and increase his chances of killing Phoenix um, because, I don't know, there's proof of numbers. Um, but it didn't work anyway. So Phoenix is still out there just sort of laughing at them. But these <clears throat> Palamnites are still out there murdering as they go. 
uh, for good measure, I guess. If we look into the part of the underworld they would have come from, it would most likely be uh, Taziris, which is the deepest ward of the underworld. It's reserved for the souls who have committed the worst crimes in life and where Aerobus's palace is. Deep under the palace lies a portal called Lathos, um, and this leads to the land of the living, and it's most likely, I think, where the Palamnites would have escaped. It's their closest path to the world of the living. Um, looking into their stats, they are medium undead, they are chaotic evil, and their CR is four, so they are a bit more beefed up from the previous ones. Um, they have an AC of 15 and an average hit point of 65, which is quite a bit more than the Ooh, other two. Yes. <laughs> um, and their walking speed is 60, or not 60, Ooh. 30, 30, okay. 30, 30. <laughs> I was still looking at 65. <laughs> um, I can't look at things and read. <laughs> uh, Dex is their highest stat with a plus three, followed by charisma and constitution, which both get a plus two. Intelligence and wisdom gets a plus one. And strength is average with a plus zero. Uh, for skills, they have plus five in acrobatics and stealth and a plus two to athletics. So these ones are going to hide a little bit more than the other ones that mm. we've said will just sort of be there because they do have that big bump to stealth. They have a damage resistance to necrotic and are immune to both the damage and condition of poison like the other ones. They know any language that they knew in life. And for special abilities and traits, they get three. Um, I think the only one that the other ones don't have is their fleeting anger. I think that's the, the unique one to them. Um, if another creature does damage to the returned, then the returned gets advantage on attack rolls until the end of its next turn. So that gives it a very, like, barbarian feel, I think. Yeah. Um, to the the anger and the rage really fueling their their power there um they also have the turned resistance uh they have advantage on saving throws against any effects that turn the undead and they have the unreadable face where they are immune to any effect that senses their emotions and read its thoughts insight checks to determine their intentions and sincerity or at disadvantage uh, and finally their actions they get a multi-attack they get two sword short short sword attacks. Um, they get a plus five to hit on those and do one d six plus three piercing plus three d six poison. Ooh, yes. So they they do have a a bit tougher of a of a punch there, but they yeah. don't they do not have a ranged attack uh, like the other two do. They don't have their sling um, or a spear that they can throw. So they do have to be right up on you. Cool. Um, so that's what I have for the Palom Knights. <laughs> Casey, I believe you had a variant that sort of feeds off of these, correct? Yes. So Mieka mentioned the returned Cacomantis. We'll say that. As <laughs> I liked it better than what I thought. <laughs> um, so um, these have the same um, stats and abilities as the returned uh, Palamnite. Um they are the ones that have inherent magical obsession, though. So they have that spark from their former selves that was part of them. Like they used to be magic users. They know it. They can sense that. And through their time in the underworld and now that they're back out of the underworld, 
they are trying to use that. But instead of whatever energy they used before when they were living, they now harness the energy from the underworld to do magic. So this comes in the form of a ranged spell attack. So this is where it beefs up the palamnite a little bit because it gives you that ranged attack. So this attack is called the underworld bolt and it is a plus four to hit range is 120 feet one creature on a hit it does 2d8 necrotic damage and the target can't regain hit points until the start of the returned next turn if the target is missing any of its hp already it takes 2d12 plus two necrotic damage instead so that that makes it much more threatening too Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I like that there's this angle um, that they hashed out a little bit for actually doing combat for the Cacomantis. Yeah, I like it. They sort of give me, if you combine the two, they're like a wild magic barbarian vibe. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) they've got some some anger along with the sadness. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, um, let's roll some dice and get into some questions. Nat one. No. Two. I rolled a two. (laughs) Roll off, Mieka. All right. Oh, 12. Five. Okay. All right. That was. That is just class. That is why we're rolling so shit is because of what the topic is. We just had to roll off on twos to see who went first. Okay. Um. So quests for these, I like the idea because they are just murdering people as they go along. You come across somebody who's on the run from them. Like mm. I could see these. They are not gonna take it well if you get away because their whole purpose is finding that one person. So if they don't kill you, that's gonna really piss them off because they failed that chance to kill that one person that they're after, Phoenix. Um, and what if that was Phoenix, you know? Yeah. So like they don't know that. So it could be, it could not be, they can't take that chance. So they're gonna continue to hunt that person. And that person finds your group and is begging you for help against these palomnites. And they work for one person. So there's going to be several of them. Like if there's one person that got away, he's going to send a lot after that person. Even if just one fought that person originally and they're like, yeah, it's this one guy. Well, 10 people show up. Yeah. You know, so then you have to deal with that. So I I like that, that like somebody's on the run from them. Yeah, yeah I'm that's... gonna I'm gonna steal a bit from you, um, Pebs, <laughs> because I just had a thought. So what if here we go? What if <laughs> like your party, you're like interacting with like the drifters and some sentries, and then you have like one of these guys that are like just with the group, and they think one of the one of your players, like one of the party members, is like Phoenix. So, like, imagine if they yeah. thought Dan was <laughs> and they run back to say, hey, everyone, I found him. And then they, like, just, like, are, like, going after your party as, mm-hmm. like, and you have no clue, like, this is happening. You're just doing your thing, like, in the city and whatnot. But meanwhile, you have, like, this group of <laughs> yeah. like, 
angry, very angry return coming to kill yeah. you because they think you're this god that you're not. <laughs> like, oh, I could well, definitely him, like put him Dan being in that a movie. god. You could have a warlock that follows him mm-hmm, and yeah. gets his power from him, so they could sense that power of phoenix yeah. coming from your warlock if they happen to choose him as a patron and then they're fucked that's yes that's that's a good point so yeah. it would be me that would, <laughs> that would be sorry, sorry i turned day. your idea on you <laughs> oh, right. anybody no in theros do not pick phoenix as your <laughs> as your patron there you go yeah. uh, like we so we touched on like how much how interesting pharos is overall and these creatures haven't necessarily touched on specific kind of like greek tendencies or like leaning into that so i just was thinking like if you were to have some sort of um gladiator type um battles or combat going on this would these would be the ones that would do it so Mm -hmm. imagine you have to find some sort of coliseum i'm gonna assume there is one somewhere with somewhere in the world of theros (laughs) and for perhaps pure entertainment they've been tasked to fight and so they are you know it's a form of entertainment they are going at it (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you come across this area that you're supposed to find and you encounter these two returned palamnites just fighting each other and that's what they're doing and Mm -hmm. once one is dead it stands there until another one comes in and perhaps the whatever creature is directed it is finding the strongest one it's like there's 25 of you i only need one of you so fight until there's only one left Mm -hmm. and it's a form of entertainment because they don't give a shit (laughs) and the palamnites are all for it because all they want to do is they're bidding and destroy so Mm -hmm. they're just like yes and then you come strolling in and they probably don't even realize that they're not supposed to like they're they probably <laughs> imagine going in and then you're kind of just observing it but then their tactic is like they've just been told to destroy anything that comes in because for the last you know 25 days it's just been nights. <laughs> and then you guys come in and suddenly they just turn and they're just fine. they go after you instead oh yeah gonna be fun (laughs) (laughs) they're fun guys um all right existential horror for these and you would just see them ripping things apart ripping people apart like they Mm -hmm. just love the violence so unlike the feeling of depression and hopelessness that the drifters would give you and um even the centuries you would just feel rage coming mm-hmm. like you could just the closer you get the more you feel that anger in the air um mm-hmm. and as they're walking towards you they're killing everything in their path like their goal is to kill everything they come across so if there is a crowd of people and they're coming towards you they are ripping them apart without care as they walk towards you yeah gosh yeah no like <laughs> 
same <laughs> like, these they are just covered in blood and like just dried blood and uh, mm-hmm. uh, they're like a lot of body horror i think are around yeah. these um around these uh returned because like they're yeah, like they're, you said just ripping apart bodies and <laughs> their gold and, mask would just be splattered with blood oh yeah yeah just it's horrifying <laughs> <laughs> yeah and still that lack of like um emotion in the mm-hmm. sense of not caring who they were what they were it's just getting through this task specifically is all they need to do mm-hmm. yeah yeah and okay. I think sorry oh no you go ahead <laughs> um like we've seen the evolution of alignment I think that's going to also play into how you want the aura and like sense around each of the creatures because these ones are like you said peps like the most they're chaotic evil mm-hmm. and uh, yeah that rage so you are going to get a such a different vibe and a different kind of emotional damage from these it's going yeah. to be like threatening scary and you know like you want to get out of there yeah <laughs> you don't want them coming after you but if you're in that situation like it's that panic I think yeah. that would be put in there. All right. So going from there, we go into role playing um, and how we would role play these differently. I think this is probably going to be our biggest separation in role playing from, I mean, the drifters in the centuries were both depressed and sad and aimless. Um, the centuries had a little bit more going for them than the drifters, but these have a goal and a purpose and a thing that they are doing. Um which is just murder, but <laughs> but murder. they love it, you know. And um, as part of the returned nature, they do say that they all of the return do feel emotions, but the emotions tend to be muted. With the Palamnites, their rage is not muted. That is all they know. Um, right. So that would shine through. They would just be, and I they don't have faces to like see that emotion on them. So you, as the DM, would have to figure out how to describe that rage without like their you know eyebrows being a certain way or their teeth being clenched or you know you have to come up with a more creative way to express that rage that's inside of them um which I think would be a fun thing to play with as the DM yeah I'm like it's for me it's like role-playing is going to be pretty difficult with these guys unless they think you're the <laughs> you're the god right so like what you said, Peps, about the like the warlock whose patron is <laughs> like having to deal with that and kind of like letting that be a background situation that's going on, like being tracked through the city. Um, but like other than that, other than that, like these are very <laughs> these are very angry boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're angry boys. And they don't wanna uh they don't wanna try to communicate or anything. They have that one mission and they're gonna try to figure it out so Mm -hmm. yeah I I can I relate it to yeah like a barbaric or a gladiator that's just you know fighting to survive they don't recognize it that way but like you know just kill anything that that it comes across or um like the old style like Bane when he's like injected with, (laughs) with the toxins 
and it's just like pure rage or like Hulk. Like it's mm-hmm. like you, you, once it, once it turns on and is on target, like it's, there's no stopping it. It's, it's like stomping its way directly at you. It's gripping its weapon so fiercely and it's swinging far before it's even within five feet of you. Um, And when it like rips things apart, it doesn't just like rip it and drop it. It rips it and like throws it to the side out of its way as it powers forward, not even thinking about what it just killed. All of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to have that like Jason Voorhees walk through the woods where like you're running and it's just walking and it's still going to catch you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like it's going to catch you and you don't know how it caught you. (laughs) Yeah. But it yeah, did. <laughs> exactly. And to take the angle of the um, Caco Mantis, I think the role playing for that one could just be a smidge different in that maybe you see um, like some sort, it looks like it's somewhat infected. Like I'm thinking like that underworld energy is kind of mm-hmm. under its skin or like you see it across its like arms or something. Yeah. And like it's one hand is just like black because that's where it uses its ranged weapon attack. That underworld bolt comes mm-hmm. from its one hand. And that I think could be a fun thing to maybe peppered in with a sea of the Palamnites, then there's a few that stop and then do some shit and like throw these wild bolts at you. And they just have that like extra little thing. That extra thing. Yeah. Yeah. And looking at the um, image, we just get one image of all of the returned in the book. So it doesn't really differentiate what they would look like separately but this guy he's got like grayish skin so I like what you said about it being infected and putting like oftentimes purple is sort of a evil underworld color that yeah. we see in movies and things or um, even just it being black through their veins and it just being different like that yeah um, I really like that idea of like the veins and it and that magic coursing through them Mm-hmm. Um, to just give you a small hint that these <laughs> ones are a little bit dead. like what is wrong with that one yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right um exploration and clues for these I think that these would give you more than the other two for exploration and clues like I said they are um they have that plus five to stealth and they're hunting you so they are <sighs> going to have a little bit more tact with that um they are going to find the best way to hunt you and if that's waiting for you to sleep or that kind of thing also clues you're gonna find a lot of dead bodies like Mm -hmm. they're killing everything in their path so you're going to see that trail and wonder what the fuck did this like as you get closer to a town and you see like you come up on a farmhouse and they're dead and then you get closer into the town and just absolutely everything is dead to make it even worse they have killed the dog Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the dog is dead on the The chickens the cows fucking everything like there's nothing left in its path because it doesn't (laughs) while it has the mission to kill phoenix it just wants to kill anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, to your point, I don't think it would care if it's human or humanoid or not, or 
mundane animal mm-hmm. they're going to just destroy it um i would see these like like again like maybe on the outskirts of that um city and then um they would set up camps almost and so you would like come across their camp and it's just like horror blood everywhere um like you said where once stood like maybe a farm or something it's just like not anymore it's just a camp for these mm-hmm. things and it's just clearly you can see it was like a bloodbath here like the dead animals and yeah. stuff and they're just like living in it <laughs> like yeah yeah don't care mm-hmm. oh and if we're going down this dark like you know massacred village you uh, come up to it in the aftermath like they have already moved on and you find one small child that was like thrown into a cubby hole a chest somewhere Mm -hmm. that they ended up not finding and you are trying to get some information on what the hell like did this from the traumatized kid Mm -hmm. and all they can describe is like the the weapons and the slashing and the black magic and (laughs) Mm -hmm. they're like peeking through you know the slit in the cubby that they saw you know just the massacre of their whole family and it's these creatures that are wearing these masks it's like they didn't have a face I Mm -hmm. and so like that could be a really interesting way to clue in um what are these what are these things doing and if you had come across the other ones up until then then you realize oh shit this does not sound like the ones we were working um Mm -hmm. we saw encountered before Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, all right. So with combat, how would we, I mean, you're definitely going to get into combat if you come yeah. across them. Yeah. <laughs> A fight will be involved. There's no getting around that. Um, as the DM getting into combat with them, since they do all, not all, but most work for the murder king, you can come across just one here and there on their own, uh, maybe before they got there, you know, I don't know. But you, you'll you come across armies of them. And I do really like the idea of mixing the Palamnite with the Cacomantis? Cac- Cac- how, how are we saying that? Cacomantis? 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 Caco Mantis. I don't know. <laughs> that was the most Midwest I've been in. Yeah. Caco Mantis. Um, they sound super scary. <laughs> um, that's definitely going to be a sound clip. <laughs> uh-huh. It is. You're welcome, Dan. Um, yeah, I would definitely combine the two of them. I think the Cacomantis would be more rare to come across. So you'll only have maybe two of those in the group of 10 to 15 that you come across. But I do think that they would be mixed if they are sent out on a mission to destroy. They're like, you team, go west, kill everything that way. You team, go east, kill everything that way. Um, Sort of thing. So you're going to come across more than one. Uh, lean into the fleeting anger. If any damage is dealt to them, they get advantage on attack rolls. That's huge because you you got to attack them. You got to do damage to defeat them. So you're giving them what they need to hit you harder. Yeah. Just by, just by trying to survive, you're making it worse for yourself. So 
that is probably the best trait that they have in it. And they have multi-attack, so they can hit. Yeah, twice. yeah. Honestly, Peps, I think you you hit on everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was very inspired by these. Like, these guys are yeah. fun. Like these. There's like, like it's a lot of opportunity for combat here and how you would like set it up. Like whether it's um like beyond the city or like right there in, in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, these things are so chaotic yeah i like the idea of them being like going back to kind of um like greek lore like they're a champion like one of them you know has existed for 50 or 100 years already and has now been renowned as this champion and perhaps you end up having to go in one-on-one combat you're a barbarian against the champion polemnite you know something like that where you just add a little bit more flavor maybe that makes them a little bit more transportable to different places and i imagine like um for game of thrones (laughs) lovers like the mountain who you know should have died from poison but didn't and is just decrepit and completely terrifying and like can nearly have it, their eyes like gouged out but then <laughs> does that to other people with like no worries no like does yeah. not have the terror in the world mm-hmm. just I feel like would have horrific battle scars and do any type of wild shit to win a battle mm-hmm. so they might use their swords in weird ways you could hack off one arm and then they're just like they lift up their arms still holding the sword and just whack you with it like it's just like so chaotic and so horrific you could just do so much like that in their combat yeah I think what you had said about the like battle scars and that also I think lends into the existential horror of these yeah as undead like they're gonna get hit and it's not gonna affect them so they are going to be tore up mm-hmm. you know yeah um and also with the fleeting anger says uh if another creature deals damage if they are working together and smart enough to know that they could hit each other Ooh. to get that advantage they have a multi-attack so they could hit one of them and give each other advantage if they happen to go first and don't have oh, it yeah <laughs> imagine that visual you suddenly mm-hmm. see them all turn on each other and just slash and then yeah. turn back to you yeah <laughs> it's like oh so they are really crazy yeah. <laughs> like okay yeah <laughs> you could get you could get really <laughs> <laughs> really brutal like really lean into the brutality mm-hmm. all right that's what we have so i think that's all our all our guys yes. all right so on a scale of one to ten missing faces how would you rank the return <laughs> from theros as part of the undead landscape in D fifth edition so just as a reminder we have the return drifter and cacomantis <laughs> returns sentry and the return palom night. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Uh, do we want to roll for it or do we want to? Sure. Why don't we see uh, what the final poor roll will be? The final roll. <laughs> All right. Um, I rolled ha- off and... the table. 
<laughs> let's uh let's group the cacamantis in with the pal night um when we get when we get there i got an 18 i got a 19 oh my gosh three <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> all right so i'm going first so yeah the drifter let's the start drifter there. scale of one to ten <laughs> <laughs> um it's Big gonna be head. <laughs> It's gonna be a four for me. Only because <laughs> that's generous. I thought you were gonna go way lower than that. <laughs> Only because they have that scare factor, like like Casey talking about it being like in like a cave or something, <laughs> and like you're just shining your light. And you just see like these legs of these people just standing there quietly it's like oh no I'm not doing this <laughs> but like other than that like I again I don't respect them at all they're just there drifting around it's like all right stop following me calm down yeah whatever yeah. but yeah I was I was gonna go with like a three <laughs> <laughs> Like, they're so squishy, you know? They're mm-hmm. going to be more annoying, I think, to deal with than anything. Yeah. yeah. you're yeah. going like, to get they're... absolutely nothing out of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they generally won't be threatening initially, um, mm-hmm. unless things go really awry. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going down to two. I'm like, <laughs> even lower. I'm just like, meh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So, um century next yeah let's yeah. just say yeah, yeah century yeah, yeah. so for the century mm, i would give it uh a six i think that's fair to say a six only yeah. because they're a little bit more you know a little bit more beefier but and they're very focused on what they have to do like we would get in the combat with them but it wouldn't be as terrible as the other um mm-hmm. night so yeah yeah. Yeah. I'd go like five or six. I think it depends on the task that they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, if they're just moving a cart, then it's like a four or five. If they're like <laughs> guarding a thing and you're definitely going to get into combat with them, then, you know, it, it moves up maybe five or six. But um, yeah, they're pretty average. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I'd say five too. And like you said, I think that's actually what makes them maybe, um, you know, three points higher for me than the drifter <laughs> is that like they might be doing a lot of different tasks, but they still have the same um, uh, like attack abilities. Mm-hmm. And so like you might see that dude pulling the cart if you get in their way and won't move. They drop the cart and then, you know, shit's happening yeah so it's like that surprise uh Mm -hmm. uh, encounter that can go wrong very quickly before you realize you're doing something wrong Mm -hmm. yeah that's true all right so let's go with the return pal night scale of one to ten for me it's gonna be a ten because (laughs) that's a lot of chaos for me yeah yeah Yeah. um i think i'm gonna go nine and i think the only reason i'm gonna give them a nine and not a ten is because i would give the cacomantis a ten um because they're Uh, just just a touch scarier with mm. their magic um but just their bloodthirsty nature and (laughs) really really gives them that much higher bump than you get with like the drifter yeah a a two to four you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah like I would put these eight nine um for Mm -hmm. the Palam night and then if we're talking about the Cacomantis 
Um, I, for, I, like, I think we did a great job at um, describing the horror and how to really play that out because I can see these being a much higher CR based on how we have, like, given the potential and talked about the potential that they have today. Like, so for me, it's like, well, it seems weird to have for like a CR4 to be a 10, Mm -hmm. you know, but these absolutely have that. So yeah, (laughs) especially if you consider them all working in a group. Yeah. Like, like one on its own, maybe not. But Mm -hmm. when you have an army of them just destroying everything in its wake, that, that really boosts up the scary. Yeah. Um, and for me, like the Cacomantis, that's going to be a ton as well. Like I'm a, I lean more towards the magical um side of my characters. And so mm-hmm. me going up against something that's using magic too, and it's just very chaotic and pulling magic from the underworld and all that. It's like, oh gosh. So yeah. 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 All right. Well, now it's time to close the crypt on this part of our conversation on Undead and D&D 5th edition. Stay tuned next month when we discuss what some gods do to some of their most devoted followers after they die. Thanks for listening to this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, as well as a Patreon. If you'd like to discuss what you've heard here today, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at r slash It's a Mimic. For other episodes on other kinds of monsters, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. You got got it. (laughs) God, that's my biggest fear is that like we're gonna forget to hit record or it's just not going to work right. Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) that's exactly me. I was like, I don't want to be responsible for clicking that. (laughs) No. (laughs) And I thought I was making him responsible for it, but he walked away. He walked away. (laughs) (laughs) Then we're gonna have to be funny and charming all over again. Remember all the things we said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, the day will come where I have to re-record something. But so far, I, <laughs> we've been good. All right. Uh, did you did you go, Pops? Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, all right. I know so- towards the end it's hard to keep track of like <laughs> who talked when. I don't fucking know. <laughs> You're being a bit spicy, so I'll